Welcome to the Marketing Society Sustainability Squad podcast, leading the conversation on ESG. So today I'm joined by Vikram Krishna. Vikram is the co-founder of Sacred Groves, a community interest company that protects forests and natural habitats from destruction all over the world. He's had a 28-year corporate career with Emirates MBD and in financial services, delivering award-winning marketing campaigns, transforming customer experience and brand projects. Being a long-distance runner, as you've told me, Vikram, you're all set for the long haul in protecting natural habitats. Welcome, Vikram. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me over. The long-distance runner hurts a bit right now. <laughs> <laughs> Summer's mean, in. <laughs> how many kilometers did you do yesterday? <laughs> well, don't even ask. <laughs> this was not meant to be an embarrassing podcast. <laughs> well, I have to congratulate you for your work in your invitation and work in Cannes, being recognized for the work you're doing with Sacred Groves. So how was your journey there? Oh, it was fantastic. So uh, we were invited by the International Advertising Association and they're an 85-year-old organization that brings in marketeers and advertisers from all over the world. Essentially, a community of marketeers who are trying to push the boundaries and, and so on. So we become their global strategic partner for conservation. And uh, my agenda really is to nudge marketeers a little bit uh, in terms of adding conservation into their campaign and marketing agenda and seeing how best we can drive that conversation forward. Another acronym to add to our our toolbook. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> we never short of acronyms, right? As an industry. So tell us a little bit more about Sacred Groves. How did it come about? Yeah, so Sacred Groves is something that Monisha and I, my co-founder and a friend of ours, Sudhir, we set this up uh, three years back, although we had been discussing it for the past seven years. And uh, it culminated out of my journey uh, over the past 28 years with, well, Emirates NBD, City, HSBC and other banks. Uh, so I think my turning point was um, after a career in, in marketing and, and custom experience and analytics, I got corporate responsibility added to my profile. <laughs> so that was the learning point. And I must say, I, I very reluctantly stepped into that role saying that what have I got to do with, you know, corporate responsibility. But then that's what happens when you, you know, by providence, you come across those moments in life. So I think that changed me and that changed Monisha. And we started doing a lot in our personal life. We started recycling and composting. We do solar cooking. Yeah? We drive those EVs and so on. <laughs> but uh, when you're on this path, you realize that the more you do, uh, the more you feel, the less it is. Yeah. So we visited sacred forests in one of our trips. So we travel a lot, sustainable as we can make it out to be. <laughs> but we visited the sacred forest and... Um, this is the one in northern India, right? It's in northern India in a place called Meghalaya. Yeah. It was um, probably, it's probably, it's probably the wettest part of the planet. Uh, and we went during the monsoons. Um, and we were guided into this forest by a local tribal. And the reverence that he had for that forest is really what sort of sparked our soul. And that's when we decided that this is what we would like to do, which is to bring about a stronger connection uh, between humans and nature. And we also realize ourselves that as urban folks, we'd lost that connection because the nearest forest is far <laughs> away. Yeah? So that's where Sacred Groves was born as a brand. And uh, we were pretty moved by a horrific statistic that Every six seconds, a soccer field equivalent of forests is lost. 
so in uh, 20 minutes you can do the mathematics yeah it's just unbelievable and it's not stopping so that's when monisha and i and they said that look um, this is a area that deeply concerns us we are passionate about it and we need to do whatever we can you know to support this so <laughs> we decided to buy our own forest <laughs> <laughs> how does one buy their own forest exactly <laughs> <laughs> so when we set about trying to buy our own forest we realized how difficult it is and uh, when we realized the level of difficulty uh, that really piqued our interest even more yeah so we said that if it's going to take us this kind of time to buy a forest and then why can't we create an avenue or a mechanism where whoever wants to you know participate in conservation that whole process can become much easier so we um, bought our first forest in the uk uh, in wales and as we did that a lot of the community that we are a part of started recognizing this and saying you you buying a forest i mean why what are you going to do with it it's nothing <laughs> and um you know people got interested and they said that look we understand why you want to do this which is to let nature be yeah and is there a way that we can get involved as well so that's when uh, sacred grows as a company got formed and then we created a mechanism that allows people and companies to seamlessly participate in conservation i want to pick up on two very very interesting points one was when you went to the sacred forest yeah Uh, picked up on a really interesting point where he said to you the the tour guide from the tribe told you don't take anything in don't take anything out can you yeah. reflect on that moment for you yeah so i think that was like a goosebump kind of a moment yeah. and uh, i must say that everybody else i'm not used to it so wherever we go we pick up a little piece of that and bring it along right yeah so when he said that and the way he said it and um, Sometimes the eyes speak more than words and the way he said it to us really was the turning point. And that's when you realize that if you let nature be uh then it really takes us to a better place. And sometimes you know we as humans are a little arrogant where we want to get involved mm-hmm. uh in nature and we believe that we can make it better. Yeah. Um and that was the other thing that sort of guided us which is that when you let nature be then forest flourish biodiversity uh, flourishes too and um i think yeah. this week itself you you reference this point with your your interviews out in cans where where you mention i think that we're the only species that wastes oh ev- my god yeah okay so you are you ready for some uh, difficult uh, uh, inconvenient truths let's go for it yeah so so we are the only species that waste there are estimates ranging from 6 to 10 million species that the planet has the waste of one species is a food for the other but not for us now with that what has it resulted into so there's a very interesting study that was done by the institute of science at wiseman um in israel they uh, you know put a definition to the fact that we are in a, in the anthropocene age which means that human influence on planetary systems is inordinate so the the question was can you put a number to it so the answer they came up with is that the estimated weight of all human stuff which is this lovely studio building roads infrastructure you know yeah. is about 1100 gigatons and the weight of nature 
which is those beautiful plants behind you yeah. uh, animals and fishes in the ocean is 900 gigatons so there's already a 200 gigaton gap between us and nature yeah you being a banker <laughs> and i being an ex banker if you forward this to the next 10 years we need to keep in mind the fact that the world economy runs on this metric of gdp growth yeah yeah so so we believe that if you're doing well it is the fact that the gdp is growing but when you deconstruct this gdp growth it is 1100 tons becoming bigger and bigger yeah so if you look at say 1 to 2% gdp growth year on year over the next 10 years do the math and see where it's going to be we're yeah. in the negative joe space basically right <laughs> exactly <laughs> that's what we're saying right exactly and 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 more more to your point when you look at 900 gigatons which is the weight of nature 55% of the world's gdp extracts from nature so again extrapolate to the next 10 years uh, probably we'd be 2x of nature mm, what does that do it creates unprecedented challenges so this for example our, you know is going to be the hottest summer that we've experienced ever in human history and the next 5 years are going to get even worse because we enter into what is called the el nino effect yeah so it is challenging we are wasting more than we need to and um, i think um, time has come for a bit of a reset big time <laughs> and actually you talked about the hottest summer yeah Uh, and I've referenced this in one of the previous podcasts, but is, I, I picked up on you talking about what happened in Wales. So I want you to reflect on this. Was last summer in the UK was the hottest summer on record ever. My son was actually born. My third son. Oh. He was born on that day. So I took a screen grab of this very interesting BBC chart, and I said to him, "I was in the hospital when I saw this article." My God! And I was like, "I need to do something about this." <laughs> so hopefully, this will be one of the first steps I've taken. But you also showed us. back coming back to nature how nature dealt with it in wales where actually what you're protecting the the the, the forest you're protecting in wales actually reported cooler temperatures than the surrounding areas because nature helped itself yeah absolutely so we uh, you know the forest that we protect we have a almost a, a near real time monitoring program where you use satellite imagery to see exactly how the forest is and then we also do frequent visitation through professionals Uh so this was us as founders going to see our forest last year in the middle of summer and uh, in Wales and um, they were at least 4 to 6 degrees cooler. Uh uh-huh. the bed of moss was moist and uh, you know these are 150 200 year old secondary forests so they have a very healthy upper story mid story and and a ground cover. Yeah. So yes this forest knew how to take care of itself. However, uh the previous year on the same time there was a little stream of water flowing through our uh area. That stream I did not see. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so that tells you the that impact. You. Yeah. That you've yeah. seen in one year. Yes. And you've had this forest for how many years? Uh, I mean we 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 bought, we got this 3 years back. This was our first forest. Yeah. And uh we are we are hoping that over the over the course of the next um 7 to 8 years we land up with about a million acres of such forests that are protected yeah. forever um you know with your great experience in marketing and many people when they talk about ESG or CSR and taking on those hats now feel like could ESG CSR or technology has has been in recent years hinder creativity quite the contrary from what you're saying yeah absolutely because you know when you look at um um 
marketing it's all about differentiation when you look at creativity it's all about solving big problems what can be a bigger problem than this very well said very yeah. well said. what can be a bigger problem so we need to also look at ourselves in the context of a few factors i think first is uh, capital flows so global capital flows are clearly turning um, towards avenues that are friendlier towards the environment and um, assist the climate transition which is necessary second regulatory influences so all marketing heads today make your gri reports and your sustainability reports they all read by rating agencies uh, investors uh, regulators so they no longer uh, nice documents that you put on a shelf anymore <laughs> they are actually being read and third is consumers demanding it yeah so now enough and more studies have been done globally across many sectors where consumers are clearly saying that we expect that the organization that we're buying our products from has uh, an agenda which is more sort of uh, friendlier yeah. towards the community towards the environment and have the best interests of everybody at heart so we don't really have a choice on the matter yeah and i believe very strongly that organizations that will differentiate themselves would be able to have a you know a unique point of view in terms of how they are addressing this and i saw that recently in the, in this past week at kan uh, as well yeah that organizations that were developing unique voice but mindful of the fact it's a genuine voice yeah it's an authentic voice Not they really one. mean what they say yeah. yeah and i think the note of caution there is that consumers and regulators are sniffing that out quite easily so uh, as you as a marketer when you embark into this area just make sure that you back all your action up with real facts and mean it impact. and do it yeah, yeah absolutely i think it's not just meaning it and doing it but also reporting back on it properly mm. if you're keeping transparent one of our previous guests actually talked about this is giving that insight back to the market and but looking ahead to this year and people talking about you know cop commitments i feel many brands are quite nervous of making commitments but you have to take that first step you took this step what would your advice be to those people who are scared of saying they're going to do something and then they don't know if they're going to tread that in the way they want to but it's not about not doing something because we've gone past that point as you've rightly told us we've gone past the point now is the time for action and this cop is going to be the cop of action right yeah so you know many a times when people are faced with a big problem they put themselves into a corner of uh, inaction and that was been beautifully expressed in a book called the nudge theory by uh, dr richard thaler and he also got the uh, nobel prize for it i think the point to refer to the nudge theory here in context is uh, a very simple example of uh, since you have a you have little babies right yeah. so how do you get a baby to have an apple you have two choices either give the apple to the baby or cut it up into small pieces and chunks and make them look attractive yeah and place it the chances are obviously that when you cut it up into little chunks and make that available to the child the child will consume it because the human brain is more accepting of smaller incremental decisions than those big decisions yeah. which probably you know put ourselves into a bit of a coma so that's my sort of feedback to all marketers which is that there is no one big thing here when it comes to climate action uh there are hundreds of interventions that we all need to do in our personal lives as well as in the organizations that we represent yeah if we wait for that one big action then it's an issue so my message is you know integrate this into your culture make it like a combination of many many small steps 
because it's these small steps which are done consistently with genuine intentions they can make a difference so i want to go back into community interest company this is a a new coin term i would say no <laughs> could you elaborate on that for us a bit yeah so um you know i i i've been in the private sector for the past 28 years and i also had the opportunity to be on the board of a few ngos as well and i come from a family of civil servants <laughs> so you can actually see right now three sectors that have already been a part of yeah I always believe that each of these sectors has their own strengths. Yeah. So capitalism is incredibly efficient in in driving, uh, you know, resources towards certain outcomes. Uh, government sector does a great job in terms of welfare of the society. Uh, the NGOs are more sort of oriented towards you know doing good for the community in more ways than one. Yeah. But I wasn't entirely sure that when you look at climate action, which sector I want to be a part of. Yeah. Very interesting perspective, right? Yeah. Because, yeah. So we uh, we didn't coin this, but yeah. I'm going to tell you now. Yeah. Uh, so we we belong to what is called the fourth sector. Yeah. Which is for benefit enterprises. So for benefit enterprises, as the as the term suggests, exists for the benefit of all stakeholders, which is employees, communities, shareholders, and so on. Triple bottom line. It's the triple bottom line. And the reason why we chose the CIC structure out of the UK. is because we wanted our forest to remain forest forever and the cic has something called an asset lock so the moment we purchase a forest uh, as a company and we declare that as a conservation asset we cannot ever change the end use of that asset uh, for the life of the company and we have to declare that every year in the form of a community interest yeah. so uh, cic's are growing b corp in the us yeah. is is growing as well there are a lot of companies that are actually joining up uh, to become b corp Actually, we're going to be getting a B Corp speaker later on in the year. Oh, hopefully. you are. So yeah, that's ah. quite interesting. You mentioned them. Yes, yes. So, so I think uh, B Corps exist for the benefit of everyone, yeah. and they try to strike a balance, yeah. which is what I hope and aspiration is. We may sound a little idealistic at the moment, but I firmly believe that fast forward this to a few years, this will become the norm, standard in the industry. So, how do you go? I, you've referenced this a couple of times, but I want to ask it more specifically. Financial service is a very, I would say, difficult category, right? When you're a marketeer, FMCG is attractive. You know, tech is attractive. Us guys in the financial <laughs> services marketing, right? We've got a hard product to sell because we're selling money effectively. Yeah. And for you to actually go two questions loaded into one, I would say is you're going from financial services background, a long time in it as well. Most of us, when we stay in there, we stay in there. We get coined a banker. And, uh, <laughs> we talked about our stripy shirts, which was not scripted <laughs> by any means. Um, Bankers but, and pinstripes. <laughs> <laughs> but to do something very out of the category, and I mean, many people may come back at me and say this should be part of the category. So that's a different question coming. But you know, you connected a passion, an interest, and a motivation together, and I really like that part of. When we spoke first time, when we heard about Sacred Groves, you can feel the passion oozing out of it. How did you land here? I would say. Yes, I admit it was an unusual choice because you don't really have bankers turning into conservationists. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't an unusual choice for me personally, uh, because I've always been driven by purpose. I've always been um, extremely passionate about what I do. So. I mean, I had the privilege of leading marketing at uh, at Emirates NBD, where I launched the brand, which is now a four billion dollar brand. So, um, for me, it wasn't really uh, anything out of the ordinary. So, those who know me well, 
didn't blink an eye when when I when I started communicating to them about the decision I'm about to take. Mm-hmm. But so my message to uh, marketers in this is that you know our industry is a very head and a heart industry, but it starts with the heart. Yeah, yeah. If you have the heart in place and you're convinced about what you want to do, just do it. Yeah. And then you let your head take over to see what framework would you like to set. Yeah. What would you like to influence? How would you like to go about it? Yeah. When is the right time? Mm. Yeah. To take that action and just follow it through. So you know, banking is all about, and you would agree with me, it's about doing things every day correctly and making sure that you scale that up uh, so that millions of lives get impacted positively. This is no different. So banking taught me trust. Yeah. which is what we represented as marketers and uh, and uh, banking professionals because people have trusted their money yeah uh, with us so here what we are just trying to do is to say that look uh, climate action requires a whole new approach uh, it requires scale it requires a certain set of confidence which technology can bring in with transparency uh, it also requires some level of trust which uh, regulations and compliance help yeah uh, in establishing and um you couldn't yeah. let compliance and legal and all of that you couldn't leave it behind no, you no <laughs> never <laughs> you can't take that out of us right <laughs> yeah so we uh, we are we are uh, we we follow uh, international law uh, in all our documents uh, we are fully audited um monitor is pretty much like our chief compliance officer <laughs> and we have a board where the regulations are advisory board where yeah. you know that that guides us in key decision making so a lot of that uh, got integrated into what i was trying to do but coming back it it is not anything different from what i've done in the past so there's a lot you've taken from it into this new journey yeah i mean i think uh, anyone who's making a career transition would recognize and should recognize the fact that whatever you've done in the past has made you who you are today very very true which will make you successful tomorrow yep. or which will also make you fail tomorrow <laughs> yeah so true. it's important to just recognize that and build on what you have you mentioned tech and you know we all talk about the disruption it brought to our industry specifically yeah. but also how this has helped you in enabling what you're doing so you're using blockchain technology to create digital twins and selling it. could you tell us a yeah, bit yeah. about yeah yeah so so essentially uh, you know what we what we're doing i mean banking if you look at it is essentially a tech play now yeah so uh, for the regular customer the mobile app is pretty much the mainstay when it comes to banking interactions and there are from the last i read there about almost 15 billion mobile phone connections so <laughs> so tech has this unique ability to connect people yeah also what i realize is that when we set up our company which is a community interest company that's protecting forests in different parts of the world there are a few principles that are super important to us yeah the first one was the principle of transparency so when i was a part of my when i wear my ngo hat yeah now more often than not i found that uh, transparency seemed to be a bit missing um, you know reporting would be a bit of an issue you would trust people which is not a problem we yeah. one should trust uh, but it just that when it comes to reportage uh, in banking and financial services then it has to be fact based yeah. yeah so we wanted to make sure number one it is uh, transparent uh, second is we wanted scalability because we want uh, like you have nature behind you we want nature in people's drawing rooms yeah, yeah. Uh, how do you do that so technology has this unique ability to connect uh, people 
And last but not the least, uh, we used this whole aspect of tokenization because we wanted to democratize the participation and conservation. So what we do is that we, when we purchase these forests, we create a digital twin, uh, a base level digital twin using uh, geospatial imaging, and then we tokenize that. Yeah. Uh, and each of these tokens are then are put on the blockchain for transparency and traceability perspective. And these tokens have a validity of 10 years. Yeah. Um, each token is like a Lego brick. So pretty much the size of this room. Um, and you can purchase one or tens of thousands depending on the appetite that the person or the company has. So this is basically saying you'll take an image of the forest. Yes. Um, and put that online for people to be able to see which forest in yes. which location they want to buy yes and it's not just the whole you're not going to end up buying the whole forest that's your job <laughs> our job is to or, or consumer who wants to come in and, and there's gifting part of it there's corporate gifting which i'll come on to in a second but you can effectively go and own a part of that forest and you know exactly where it is you can go visit yeah. it you yeah. can and, and and you'll be able to track it yes yes absolutely so you'll be able to participate in the preservation and protection of nature yeah you'll be able to do that seamlessly each token costs 50 dollars yeah and they have been gifted as well. There are 46 different gifting occasions that individuals can choose from. Yeah. And companies are using us as a part of their um, consumer strategy. Yeah. So there are various ways that that is happening. I think one that I wanted to highlight from a marketing perspective is making conservation a co-benefit in your value proposition. So if there are uh, seven reasons to wear this wonderful pinstripe shirt that <laughs> both of us are wearing. <laughs> then make conservation the eighth benefit. Yeah. So moment you make that an eighth benefit, then what happens is that you're still able to uh, pursue your commercial agenda, which is super important for organizations. Yeah. yeah? Uh, second is you're able to attract a slightly wider demographic, uh, which is actually quite clear about the fact that you know, we would want to see you making a positive contribution to to the community and the environment around us. Third is you make sure that you don't raise the price point beyond what the customers can afford and pay for. So that's something that consumers across the world are telling us very clearly that, mm -hmm. hey, companies, do what you're supposed to do. Do it well, do it right. Don't charge us Don't more. charge me more for it. It is your fiduciary duty. It's like hygiene. Yeah. So conservation commerce enables organizations to do it. So the first company that came on board was a very interesting one. It's a Instagram-based uh, art seller. Yeah. Yeah. So they have, I mean, there are other platforms as well, but that's really where they sell most. So it's called PR Nation. And uh, now for every square feet of art they sell, they protect a square feet of forest with sacred groves. Fantastic. So then consumers can see a very clear benefit that, okay, I like this art. It fits into my scheme of things. I like the price point. It's also probably sustainably sourced. But also each time I buy it, a piece of nature is getting protected as well. Yeah. So the reason I'm saying this in this podcast is yeah. that this is just an example for marketers to think about their value proposition, include conservation in their brand promise, yeah. and then see how that can be seamlessly executed uh, consistently. I like how you bridged this very well for me onto my next question, because it was literally <laughs> going to pick your brains around in our industry, especially in this region, Activations are huge. Yeah. Giveaways are huge. Yeah. Invitation to events are huge. And people expect that hospitality that we see that's so prevalent in the, in the region. This gives an alternative to all of that. And it's a fantastic alternative because you're doing something that's long-term preservation and conservationist. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not just saying, and I'm not trying to market <laughs> uh, sacred groves here by saying, you know, the next giveaway you do, make sure it's sacred goals, but I'm sure that <laughs> Vikram wouldn't mind me doing that. But 
these are the kind of things that you're saying is the eighth benefit or the next benefit yeah it is because uh, you know i i think where i where i come from is that one has to make uh, climate action sustainable mm. and being a brand practitioner for decades on end yeah i firmly believe that you know conservation should be included in your brand promise and if possible it should be included in the purpose of your company as well so the moment you include that in the purpose statement of your company and make it a part of your culture then you find that it seamlessly extends not just into the activation intervention that you mentioned but in every aspect of what the company represents yeah so be it performance management for example you know um, many organizations now have uh, scorecards where esg yeah uh, is becoming an integral part of that so performance management is one uh, and in marketing it is almost uh, i would say subliminally entering into uh, the mind space so just like plastic has entered into our life right so you'd be surprised that you are you know you you didn't intend to and i didn't intend to as well but i am wearing plastic sure. right i i just went out to buy a nice shirt and it just turned out to have buttons that were made out of plastic so plastic has entered into our life very seamlessly without us even realizing it the challenge and the opportunity for marketers is to make nature a part of that equation and i'd point you out to uh, tnfd yeah. uh, guidelines that that are coming up shortly i think in the month of september or october yeah they release a detailed report where what uh, many organizations investors and rating agencies are almost insisting is that make nature a part of your business story almost give nature a position on your board give it a voice and a voice yeah so i saw you smiling when i said make nature a part of your board patagonia has already done that mm. as yeah. an example as a precedent yeah so when you make nature uh, a key stakeholder in your business uh, agenda then a lot of these hundreds and thousands of actions get delivered seamlessly by people yeah uh, at scale and it's quite fun you see like cuz maybe 10 years ago we were fighting to get marketing onto the board <laughs> you know or getting a voice onto onto the executive tables right um but now it's gone so far as our responsibility as marketers potentially indeed or the new you know job titles that are being created today to give nature but i would say it's not just nature a voice on the board but also we've got to look at the whole piece which is yeah the social impact you're having and also clear governance as you mentioned yes. about transparency earlier yeah. so whilst yours is very focused around nature and conservation the whole piece has to come together for us to be able to make a difference in this year yeah yeah i'm obviously more biased towards nature and the reason i say that is that uh, uh, climate change is pretty much here on us yeah uh, we don't really have a choice in the matter mm, we're at 1.2 degrees above the baseline Uh, at the moment when it comes to global uh, temperatures there was a recent study that got widely published where in the next 5 years uh, we will definitely hit 1.5 degrees so we are seeing the impact of 1.2 degrees so yeah. i was with some people 2 uh, days back over from canada and i mentioned to them that uh, canada since the beginning of the year has lost almost 6 million hectares wow of forests to forest fires Now to put that in context it is bigger than the size of Switzerland for the forest fire in Canada alone so i can go on and on about this but the point i'm trying to make is that you know uh, when you look at us as um, corporations we need to figure out a way to develop a method to give economic value 
through nature so so today for example this glass of water if it's uh, water flowing in a stream full of fishes uh, there is no value to it only derived value yeah 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 uh, but if you package it and put it in a beautiful bottle and serve it here yeah then there is value, value. so economic value requires a redefinition and that's a big challenge for marketers yeah, isn't it a huge challenge i can't let you go without <laughs> asking you about looking ahead what yeah. are, having come out of cans met the creme of the industry out there what are you looking forward to in cop28 well what i'm looking forward to is number one a greater level of awareness around the fact that we all need to take steps towards climate action yeah that's one and a greater level of awareness in the larger civil society as well yeah yeah second i want to see more and more examples and genuine examples of climate action yeah that big and small companies and countries uh, commit to mm-hmm. and deliver successfully and third is um hopefully um inspire a few million climate action influencers <laughs> hmm? not just people like you and me who are on the <laughs> podcast today but uh, you know your everyday folks on the street who recognize the fact that it is our responsibility to do whatever we can and i refer to that as um, actually it's a brilliant study which you should read about it's called intergenerational equity okay so um it is in a sense the responsibility of every generation uh, yeah. to leave behind a better place for the next yeah and i would say that just thinking about it and asking yourself that what can i make better yeah uh is a step in the right direction yeah and i hope that cop28 gets a lot of us to think that way as well looking forward to being there and participating and i've asked this to all my guests and our guests of this podcast but what are your top 3 and i think you've hit them today anyway but if you could summarize them top 3 practical advices for marketers today i think first is uh, become a climate action influencer mm, the biggest responsibility and the tools that we have is um aspiration and hope that we can communicate to the larger civic society our yeah. consumer groups and as all our stakeholders yeah so marketers are uniquely positioned to do that yeah that's one second is make it genuine please no more campaigns <laughs> <laughs> no more greenwashing <laughs> deliver uh deliver impact at scale and then communicate that later yeah but this is a long hard road yeah, yeah. so it's take those thousand steps show success and then talk about it yeah and i think third would be uh, influence public culture and influence popular culture of course um, guiding towards your personal um, commercial agenda for the for the company that you represent yeah but also uh, influence the world to be in a slightly better place by inspiration uh, creativity and uh, sparks of magic Vikram thank you so much for your time today I'm going to leave by just saying <laughs> we've got a season marketer telling us no more campaigns which is absolutely brilliant <laughs> <laughs> for a, for a marketing society podcast but please do continue this conversation online you let us know what you think and of the topics we've had and any comments you have for for Vikram and I join us next time for the next episode Vikram thank you very much pleasure thank you very much take care and see you at the next episode Marketing Society Sustainability Squad podcast leading the conversation on ESG